Welcome to another episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Pat. I'm Eddie. And I'm Andy. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Paranormal Dads. We're back in the saddle again. <laughs> Eddie's breaking out the... Uh, who is that? It's... Uh, oh, I should know that. It's Andy and the Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can we please start a band? <laughs> I, I can be on Cowbell. Andy and the Bigfoot. Oh, it's Aerosmith. That's who it was. That's yeah. who it is. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> you should know that. Uh, I should have. I should have well, quicker, we- though. We are ready. I have my Bigfoot slippers on. Pat has his Paranormal Dad's hoodie. Eddie, even though it's negative 10 degrees, Eddie is rocking a tank top with a Fresno Nightcrawler monster on it. Fresno (laughs) Nightcrawler. Dude, this is where you know we're not like paranormal fronting, as the kids say. (laughs) You go through our wardrobes and you're like, you got Bigfoot shirts and Fresno Nightcrawler tank tops and slippers and mug. Patrick and out of a Bigfoot head. (laughs) I even took my uh, sweatshirt off for a while because we had coffee when we first started off. Eddie yeah. brought us coffee this morning. Oh, you know. But uh, I put it back on because it's cold in here. It's and chilly. Eddie, Eddie is just like rocking it. I'm probably just... going to put my hoodie back on. I'm getting a little <laughs> chilly willy right now. I'm sitting next to the window. It's a little drafty. Oh, I'm yeah. sure it is. So. Yeah, for real. <laughs> That's all right. I'm squatchy. I don't get cold easily. <laughs> squatchy. But yeah, we're excited to be together again. And... Uh, we got some great stuff for you st- stored up. I think, Andy, you're on recent? I'm on for recent, and I've got a humdinger of a, of a recent sighting. Actually, six of them. So buckle up, everybody. Six of them. Fasten hum- your seatbelts. Humdingers are my favorite dingers. All right, boys. Uh, recent sighting. I recently saw a lot of stuff. Ooh. Saw a lot of things and stuff, and... Yeah, I went on an adventure, you might say. You did Andy go was on an soloing it. <laughs> he did I, a solo excursion. He did a midlife paranormal crisis. <laughs> it was a full-blown midlife crisis. <laughs> uh, I called it a paranormal walkabout. Walkabout. Put a little Aussie twist on it, eh, mate? I'm going to drive until I run out of gas, eh? <laughs> Dodging kangaroos. <laughs> well, I, I came up with a crazy idea recently, kind of a social media experiment mixed with paranormal shenanigans. And I kind of told everybody on Facebook and my other social media pages that I, I have Mike will travel. Yeah. So I packed my bags, I put it to a vote, and I told people on Facebook, I said, hey, where should I go to check out some haunted locations? We had people chiming in from uh, all over the country, and I narrowed it down to three choices, put it to a vote, and people voted that I should travel to Holdridge, Nebraska, two-hour drive yep. to, to check out the Lost Way Brewery and a haunted restaurant called The Speakeasy. Oh. Now, the cool thing about this road trip was it was uh, intended to be four or five days long, but each day we would vote again, and I'd get travel to a new destination each day. Yeah. So people were you know, kind of hoping I'd make it out to you know, Minnesota or down to Texas or out to the West Coast. And it was, co- was kind of cool not knowing where I'd end up. You know, I felt like a, a modern-day nomad. Yeah. You know? 
literally waking up, checking your social media to see where you're going the next day or that day. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any food along the way that <laughs> jumped out to you? Like, this is particularly good. You're like, oh, man, I love this thing. Yeah, and actually in Holdridge, believe it or not, had me a, 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 a chicken Oscar yes, from, yes. from a haunted restaurant. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Man. Of course, in the car on the way, you know how it is with road trips. You, you act like the calories don't count. So I'm shoving beef jerky in my face like there's no tomorrow. Dude, road, yeah. road trip snacking will yeah, do that to you. It's the best. So I bought myself a handy, dandy little uh, dash cam thing that attached to my windshield so I could do like live streaming blogs as I was driving down the interstate with two eyes on the road, mind you. I was focused and paying attention. Yeah. But I made it to the Lost Way Brewery where I was met up with a lady named Stacy who was going to act as my uh, kind of tour guide. She works there. Uh, she brought along her boyfriend, Mike, co-owner of the facility, Jessica. They let me walk around for a bit. They had seen some shadow figures and apparitions there. They hear... Uh, bumps and noises and knocks, uh, kind of that feeling that somebody's watching you. Sure, you know? yeah. And especially, you know, bars, I think in general, all bars, they hold a lot of energy. You know, people are there maybe drinking their sorrows away, unwinding after a, a hard day's work. Um, you know, and all that collective energy just kind of lingers in the air, and sometimes yeah. you can feel that. And then again, you know, a place like the, the Lost Way Brewery, it, it's not like one of these cookie-cutter you know, strip mall bars where it's like brand new. Like this place was, you know, gosh, hundred years old. Yeah. Been around for a while, probably Yeah, a smaller town. That's the thing with these small towns is like when you go to these places, they may be like retrofitted into a new type of establishment, but you're talking about a place that's been around for a long time. I mean, yeah. hundred plus years, 200 years even. They were telling me it used to be a creamery back in the day. So they had grates and, and like uh, holes in the floor to drain the fluids uh, then it was a print shop for a couple decades. Okay, good. You said creamery. I thought creamery. you meant like crematorium where they were like burning <laughs> bodies. I'm like, yeah, well, they're making ice cream and they're stuff. They're making ice cream. Butter. Dairy. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Different kind of bad. juice altogether. Ooh. Not <laughs> cremate. Not dead creamery. people juice. It was weird, juice. though, because all their ice cream was red. I'm not sure why. <laughs> all the ice cream had fingernails in it. Ew. <laughs> so... Uh, it wasn't terrifying, but I definitely felt some energy, particularly in the back kind of corner uh, near the restrooms. And that's that's kind of where everyone uh, reported where it kind of feels very strange, very odd. And uh, But it was cool. And then after the creamery and print shop, it sat empty for a couple decades. A guy bought it. You know, one of these old tinkerers who just yep. collected a bunch of stuff, car parts and engines, thinking he'll fix it up one day. Yep. So when they bought it and kind of flipped it into the Lost Way Brewery, they, you know, they kind of had to clean it out. They had an airplane wing just hanging out in the in the shop. They had to Love get that out of there. Cool. So y'all want a wing? <laughs> y'all want a wing? <laughs> I got a wing hanging around. You want to take it with you? All I need is one more, and I can I fly a plane. One, there's one guy out there with an airplane with one wing on it. Yeah. And he's like, man, I just need me a wing. I just need <laughs> to find that other wing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, about a ten minute drive from the Lost Way Brewery was a restaurant called the Speakeasy. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, this was in kind of a, a old area known as Sacramento, but I think it's since been uh, annexed, if that's the right word, by Holdridge. So okay. technically, yeah. we were in the same town. 
But guys, this was out in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, I'm following Stacy and Mike in their pickup truck. And I'm like, where are they? T-? I'm like, these, they're going to murder me in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm a dead man. Because <laughs> there's nothing. We're driving out. There is nothing in any direction. And for, you've known these people for 15 minutes. For all of 15 minutes. Yeah. You know. Um, so we, we just finally arrived. There's this like ramshackle, just looking shack in the middle of the field. <laughs> they're like, honey, you know your dream of killing a sidekick in the, a sidekick in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. We get to have have our dream come true. <laughs> get the golf clubs. <laughs> we can we can set a ransom and then we get enough money to buy another wing. Exactly. <laughs> we can fly out of this town. <laughs> so we get there and this this restaurant is the only building it's the only anything you can see for miles in any direction. Hey, that's the coolest thing. And there's no signage at all on the outside of it. It generally really? it looks like a speakeasy that was meant to be a hidden secret. Ooh. You so, walk up to the front door a little <laughs> Thing slides open. See a couple eyes peering out. Password. Who goes there? <laughs> Password is boo. <laughs> so we go inside. The manager, Erica, gives us kind of a full historical rundown. So the place is apparently haunted by a ghost named uh, Faceless Fred. Oh, dang. So as the story goes, uh, Fred uh, frequented those parts way back in the day. Was a little too friendly with the lady folk, so his oh. wife one day had enough of it, took an axe to him, oh. cut his face off. Oh. That will do it with his face. His face. That's a sharp axe. Like scalped him, but took his face off instead of his uh. head. He's a side sleeper. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> You're sleeping on the side. She comes up and just, yeah! <laughs> so it gets gruesome here. So if yeah. children are listening, you might want to earmuff it at this You've point. You've been there. warned. So <laughs> as the legend goes, the, the lady took the body. Uh, they put Fred in a well. Okay. Okay. And this is an allegedly true story. They put him in a well. They built this this building, this establishment, directly on, on top, top of the, the well. well. Man, why? So we're sitting. Why at you the... got to do Fred so dirty <laughs> like that? Did it, man. <laughs> so we're sitting at the table, and this is like a fine dining establishment. On the outside, it looks like nothing. On the inside, it's like a fancy five star restaurant uh-huh. kind of vibe. So we're sitting at the table, and the manager's giving us the full rundown of this, and she points to the floor, like right next to me. She's like, "Yeah, the well's right underneath the floor right where you're there. standing." So, you know, at the speakeasy, Fred's known to throw some pots and pans around the kitchen. Um, you know, he doesn't have, uh, uh, you know, so especially with the ladies. Some of the ladies will feel a little uneasy if right. they're closing up and doing dishes at the end of the night. So, uh, again, not a terrifying vibe, but uh, you could feel there's a lot of energy there. And it didn't, didn't leave me running for the hills, but it was you could feel it. Now, I didn't intend to have dinner there. I was going to actually take off because I, I had yet to found a place to stay and it was already dark. I you were just rolling with it. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even have a motel yet. So, but they convinced me to stay. We ordered dinner, had some uh, fried mozzarella sticks, which, Yum. you know, <laughs> got a nice little appetizer with the with the axe story. And then they bring out, a you know, some marinara <laughs> dipping sauce. I was going to say, <laughs> and then his face, oh, here comes the red sauce. Mm, yeah, so we had nice. dinner. It was phenomenal, spectacular. And I'll tell you what. They said this place is so great that on the weekend, you can't even get a table unless you have a reservation. Like, so people right. come from a 100-mile radius to this place. Wow. We got to check this place out. Oh, it's so cool, man. It's it's amazing. Speakeasy in Holdridge, Nebraska. So from there, I went, found a hotel, checked in, uh, asked the social media people, where should I go next? And everyone voted to for me to go to a haunted in and winery near the Kansas City area called the Belvoir Winery or Belvoir, Belvoir. fancy French. Yeah. So I was I was going to go there. W- woke up the next morning, checked the forecast. Kansas City had canceled school districts. They had hit by a snowstorm overnight. <laughs> yep. So at this point, I'm thinking, okay, 
Do I head south to maybe Oklahoma or Texas to avoid the ice and snow altogether? Or do I head west? Because Denver looked pretty clear. So I decided on Denver. Go west, young man. Go west like a pioneer. So I hitch my horse to the wagon, and I headed out. There's there gold. And then there's paranormal gold in there. Bigfoot <laughs> <Make them go. laughs> So it was uh, a good five-hour drive. Real quick, uh, you would mentioned that winery. Belvoir? Belvoir, yeah. Belvoir. Uh, so I was, uh, well, you were all out living a paranormal dream, which probably would have given Pat some anxiety. Like, where, where are we sleeping tonight? I don't know. <laughs> what? In a ditch. <laughs> Maybe in the car. Um, I was at a work event, and this happens to me a lot at different like events, and that's not meant to sound the way it is, but I'll be at an event, and someone there will be like, that's the guy that does a paranormal podcast about Bigfoot and aliens. Yeah. <laughs> so in, a, in my work, I get people coming up to me talking about things that they have experienced. And I'm like, we're sitting here in a professional work environment. I don't sure. bring it up, you know, but they do. So we start talking about all sorts of weird stuff. And there's a woman, um, I will not use her last name, but her first name is Brittany. So if she's listening, hello, Brittany. And she had gone to the Belvoir winery with uh, her sister and some other friends. And they, uh, there's a lot of stories behind this thing. Apparently it used to be an asylum as well and all these things. And, uh, a very big skeptic, and she uh, felt like she had gotten touched and then cold, and then later on someone had said, anyway, there was a, a personal experience happening there for this person, so she was like, you guys should go check this place out, it's really cool. So there's, <laughs> there you go. And then that. she was hit in the back of the head with a wine bottle. Oh, tink! <laughs> <laughs> wine o'clock. <laughs> it's wine o'clock somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So I make the five-hour drive out to Denver, and on the way, I'm kind of asking people, like, where should I go? A couple people are saying Cheeseman Park. And I'm thinking, mm, sounds delicious, right? Cheeseman Park. Is it <laughs> Cheeseman or Chessman? Cheeseman. What? Cheeseman Park. That's Cheeseman amazing. Park. Yeah. So I, I get there, and I'm like, I got to check out Cheeseman Park. We had about a half hour of light left because the sun was setting, so I just I hadn't even found a hotel yet. I just made a beeline for Cheeseman Park. Yep. It's cold. It's frigid. Uh, I get out. you know, and, and before I get out of the car, I started doing some research. So a uh, true story... Once upon a time in the Denver area, they took the um, some of the riffraff, some of the outlaws, criminals. Ooh. They buried them. It was a cemetery there. Were they? But they were they dead? Were they dead yet? Or they just bury them? <laughs> no, they wouldn't bury them alive. <laughs> rounded them up. <laughs> Y'all are riffraff. Get in the hole. <laughs> I ain't dead. Get in the hole, riffraff. <laughs> we can fix that. Pew pew pew. <laughs> Fill that hole up. No, they they buried uh, criminals. They buried people with infectious diseases Ooh. that they wanted to keep kind of on the outskirts of oh, town. Oh man, I swear. And unfortunately, even some of the some of the poor people in, in the in the city, if they couldn't afford a proper burial or headstone, they just buried them at Cheeseman Park. Oh God! So the city, in all their wisdom, thought, "What's what's better than a cemetery? A park on top of a cemetery." <laughs> Yay! <laughs> sure, why not? So they converted it into a park. Now this is kind of the hipster place to be. Because when I arrive, there's a whole bunch of 20-something-year-olds, and it's like a dog park. All these dogs are off the leash, okay. running around, playing in the snow. What better way to respect the dead than yeah. to turn it into a dog park? Got dogs pooping all over graves. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the humanity. Oh. So I went up, and I was chatting with this one guy, and he didn't he didn't want to be on uh, my live stream or, or the podcast. I think people were kind of giving me the side eye, like, who's this stranger <laughs> just walking up, asking about ghosts? Going in cold. But I asked if he's seen anything paranormal. He said no, but he did see something traumatizing there. Uh, uh, he saw a guy early one morning hanging by a noose from a tree. Oh. Suicide. Oh. Suicide. In it, the park. In the park. And it kind of makes you wonder, is there some sort of heavy, dark energy that would... Compel somebody to... 
do that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Almost That's like crazy. There's a cemetery here in town called uh, Pot- Potter's Field. And that's what those cemeteries are called. It's not exclusive to Omaha. They're all over the different cities. Like these the cemeteries, kind of like you said, like vagrants and homeless and people who don't know who they belong to. And I swear, you walk to these places, if you didn't even know, you would be like, huh, this feels different here. It feels heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and yeah, you're right. A lot of, uh, a lot of cities have these potter fields um, or potter's field. So next, I went to the Oxford Hotel, notoriously haunted. Yeah, built in eighteen ninety one, uh, kind of Art Deco style. I in mean, in Denver, in Denver, okay. still, yeah, most beautiful hotel I've ever seen. I mm. mean, this place, uh, down to every last detail, um, original woodwork, tile, marble, granite, high ceilings. It's just unlike anything I could I could possibly describe. But met up with a front desk girl named Alex, and she was really quite... You'd be surprised if you approach somebody asking about something paranormal, how many people are actually open to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Right? And she yeah. said, oh, yeah. You know, she started telling me some stories. She brought in some coworkers who sh- were sharing stories. She asked me if I wanted to go upstairs to room th- 320. Nice. I, I know nothing about room 320. I said, yeah, let's go. What happened there? I mean, they give you a specific number. It's like, okay, I'm on to something here. Yeah. So 320, we, that's so my favorite time. I start my live stream on Facebook. And you can go back. Go back to around January 23rd or something. You can watch this Facebook live stream that I did with Alex um, in the hotel. So we get up there. She said it was a murder-suicide. True story. Uh, there was a, a lady of the night named Florence who had her heart broken by a traveling salesman who she had fallen in love with. Um he broke the news to her that he was a happily married man out in California. Ooh. Broke her heart. She convinced him to, to stay at the hotel with her just one more night. He agreed. Well, she put a bullet in his chest, turned the gun on herself, murder-suicide. And it's said that uh, Florence is still, you know, her spirit is still kind of friendly with male patrons of the hotel because... Uh, uh, she'll play with uh, the feet of men. She'll play with your toes and feet in the middle of the night oh, if you man. leave them outside the covers. Yeah, I know about this. Getting my toes wiggled. <laughs> You've had this happen before. Yes, in my own bed. It's happened to me, too, except it was the cat. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pat with all of his cats over there. <laughs> fighting for his toes. It's my, toes. it's my turn for his toes tonight. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe That's got to be creepy, though. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, you're, yeah, you're laying there was, in bed and someone starts playing with your toes. Yeah. And, you know, the hotel would have been even creepier had it not been so beautiful. Um, but I'll, I'll share real quick another cool story that they told me because they have a hotel bar. Uh, I couldn't get in there because it didn't open until uh, that evening and they didn't have a key because the manager wasn't there. But they had a bar at the hotel that opened the day after Prohibition ended. Oh, man. Oh, wow. See, they were just waiting. Dude, they're like, <laughs> that's a party waiting right there. Drinks are legal. Drinks are on us. Woo! It's 1933. One for everybody, right? So I'm looking inside the bar as one of the uh, staff members is telling me a story, true story. So a couple decades ago, uh, there was a lady bartender, and and she served a beer to a postal worker who had showed up right Mm -hmm. around Christmas time, late at night, right before they closed. But she said the odd thing about this postal worker was his attire was very old-fashioned. He looked like he had come from a different time. So they make some Mm -hmm. small talk. The the gentleman uh, slowly drinks his beer over the course of a few minutes, Bartender turns around to get something off the counter, like a rag off the counter. Turns around. The guy had vanished. Dine and dash. Dine and dash. <laughs> but not only had he vanished, the empty beer cup had refilled itself. So huh. the beer's filled to the brim, and the ghost is gone. He's gone. 
That is crazy. So forget turning well, water into nice. wine. This dude's making re- beer. Appears. Reserve it to somebody else, you know. Right? <laughs> reserve <Wow>. it. <laughs> this beer crazy. tastes like ghost lips. I don't want it. <laughs> tastes <laughs> like ghost lips. It's <laughs> <laughs> been a ghost sip in this beer. So on the way out of Denver, uh, I stopped by a... Did you go to Casa Bonita in Denver? I did not, no. <laughs> Casa Bonita! Is you that the it? place to be? Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Casa Bonita. Andy. You missed out. Unfortunately, it closed a number of years ago. It's reopened now. I know. Well, it's going to. May 2023, Casa Bonita is going to reopen. You know who bought it? Andy, Casa Bonita is like this Mexican restaurant and circus all rolled into one. So you've got, you walk into Casa Bonita, there's this huge pool and cliffs, and there's cliff divers, and they put on a show. They dive off the cliffs into the pool. Yeah. And they've got games and other fantastic... Pirate caves you can explore for treasure. It's crazy. You wouldn't guess this. It's in like a strip mall. Yeah, it's in a strip mall. Okay, and you walk in and you're like, welcome to a land of Mexican enchantment. And you're like, what is happening? There's waterfalls. Casa Bonita, Casa Bonita. You walk in, you walk out a changed person. You're like, (laughs) the world does have magic. And it's here at Casa Bonita. Uh, it went out of business, like you said, or it closed. Yeah, a couple of years ago it went out of business, but apparently, yeah, it's going to reopen in May 2023. Did you know who bought it? No. The creators of, of South, South Park. Park. Ah, yes. There, there's an entire South Park episode about Casa Bonita. Yeah. You got to check that one out. It's it's Because Cartman worth. is excited. <laughs> the only reason to go into Denver, as far as Cartman is concerned, is because of Casa Bonita. And he's on and on about it. The boys hadn't been. Yeah. So they go, and they're not being facetious. They show all the things that are legitimately happening. Cartman does everything there is to do. He does it all. He does it all. He walks out of there with beads and a hat, and he's just like, Casa Bonita. (laughs) It is the best thing ever. And uh, I went to visit some friends. Uh, He was was going through a rough patch in his life, and so I went out to Denver and hung out for a few days, and we went to Casa Bonita. (laughs) And I went in... uh, I went in. I came out wide eyed. Like everything is magic. You have to go. You got to ring Sky. Okay. Yeah. Uh, our, our family went through there uh, when we did our San Diego cross country trip. When we drove out to San Diego one year, and and we did stop in Denver and went to Casa Bonita for lunch, and it was everything and more. The more you know. I I I, I didn't know. Now I anyway, want to go back. We digress. So when are they opening? May of twenty twenty three. May twenty twenty three. All right, guys. Well, Check them out. Let's let's hit that up, right? Oh, <laughs> Eat a it. quesadilla, watch some cliff diving, come out with a sombrero. Go yeah. to the pirate cave. Oh man, I, I win, <laughs> win, win, win. So on the way out of Denver, I stopped by a stretch of road that everyone on my Facebook page was saying I needed to visit. Riverdale Road connects two uh, towns of uh, Brighton and Thornton right on the outskirts of Denver. Uh, This is the site of, you name it, Riverdale Road has it. 11 miles of winding road. On one side, you have kind of a suburban neighborhood. On the other side, for the most part, you just have trees and fields. Tons of car accidents. A lot of of death. Mm. A lot of... uh, Phantom hitchhikers. Okay. People report people trying to hitch a ride. You look in the rearview mirror, they've disappeared. You have uh, translucent, ghostly cowboys walking around the field in their cowboy boots. My favorite kind. They have uh, satanic cults kidnapping uh, pets for sacrifices. Oh, God. Uh, and a whole host of other things. It's, it's a gnarly place. So I 
kind of did a time-lapse video and drove it. And at the end of it, I pulled underneath a bridge, saw, I'm not going to lie, I don't know what it was. It looked like the opposite of a shadow. So it, it was like the shadow or reflection of a man walking. I saw arms, legs, shoulders, head, but there was nobody there. And I'm seeing this like white-ish. Kind of like a translucent sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Kinderhook blob. <clears throat> exactly. Like a milky white blobby <laughs> thing. Thing. Yeah, we covered that a couple episodes ago. Yep. So didn't scare me to my core, but it did kind of unnerve me a little bit because I, I, I didn't expect to see anything. Um, oh, there was on the side of the road, there was a giant, like, I don't know, uh, four foot tall by three foot wide plank of wood that somebody had painted the clown face from it. Yeah. Why? And then there was a, a yellow raincoat and a red balloon next uh-huh, to it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now I'm guessing this was a Halloween decoration left over that nobody took down, but... Being yeah, cheeky. Riverdale Road, kind of a spooky place. So I got the heck out of there. On the way back to Omaha, I hit up the Grand Theater in Grand Island, Nebraska, um, famously haunted uh, by what most people think is the sweet owner named Wally Kemp. And I got kind of the behind-the-scenes tour of the Grand Theater. Uh, Definitely haunted, but in the nicest way possible. Uh, You can feel a presence. Heck, we investigated that place a couple years ago. That's where Eddie actually heard a voice in a crawl space. Yes, uh, yes. It was uh, hands down one of the most uh, amazing experiences I've ever had. Like a personal experience with a ghost. You guys, of course, were not there to see it, but we did capture it on audio. I I was tired. I want to say it was episode 34. Uh, look, go back and look at our, but you can hear the audio of this interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced there is a woman there. And there could be. Yeah. You know, it's a big enough place. There's room for more than one spirit. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. That night, Pat and I were ready for bed. It was late. <laughs> we wanted our binky. Yeah. We wanted our blankie. We were tired. a long day. Yeah, it had yeah. been a long day for sure. But yeah, I'd love to get back out there. Absolutely. So then I came back home. So 1,169 miles later, four days, two states, three cities, and... Yeah, I mean, haunted brewery, haunted restaurant, haunted park, haunted hotel, haunted road, haunted theater. So I think I covered it all. And I'm going to do this again because this is just the first of many paranormal walkabouts. And I swear, next time I'm going to kidnap you both and take take you with me because... I mean, it's fun by myself. It would be three times as much fun with all so much all three fun. Of us, I'd love to know? do that. We're up for yeah. We're we're down for that for sure. We just gotta we gotta get time off of work. Just don't drop us down a well. <laughs> don't cut my face off when I'm sleeping. <laughs> I can just picture you know load up the cryptid bus. Eddie can surf on top of it like Teen Wolf. I'll going, do it going down the interstate. I'll dress up like Teen Wolf. <laughs> like give me the beer. Um, real quick too. Uh, uh, one of the places I had gone to uh, recently, uh, only a couple of years ago now, was this uh, was the Congress Hotel in Chicago. And I think I talked about it briefly, but it was uh, same thing. You talk to the people who work there, and it, I just mentioned it, and plenty of stories about how haunted it was. They they purposely stagger people on the floors because normally, like, there's a, I think the hotel has like a thousand rooms. It's 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 huge. Wow. And they said we stagger the, the floors because we'll have to basically move people around based on the activity in the hotel. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, this person was dead serious. She's like, I'm like, it's weird because there's people here, but if I go to my floor, I don't see anybody. And she's like, that's because there's like two people on your floor. She's like, we purposely stagger <laughs> the we guests. have to move you <laughs> in case we have to move people. We don't want to have to move an entire floor of people, so we'll literally have. You know, we'll only have to move two or three couples, you know, you know, so it's like it's a purpose. They literally changed their hotel structure around how paranormal uh, the hotel is. 
See, that's nuts. We have to go there, guys. The Congress Hotel. <laughs> the has got to bite go bite into the the uh, you know the profit margin. I don't know. A little bit. I, I don't, don't know. know how any of that is, but she said specifically. <laughs> she's like, they will have entire floors that get so active. Usually, it's like slapping the walls. They'll hear people just pounding on the walls, and they're like, "There's no yeah. one there." Just a ghost <laughs> smacking a wet fish against the <laughs> wall. Whap, Yeah, but yeah. I'm with you. Like when you talk to hotel people, sometimes they'll just start telling us stories. Yeah. Know? Well, and like we were talking earlier, sorry, this recent sighting got a little long winded, eh. but like we were talking about earlier with a lot of energy and a lot of kind of leftover residual, you know, hauntings going on at bars, amplify that for hotels. Yep. You think of people passing through, you know, some people are passing through on vacation and having mm-hmm. fun, but some people who are checking into hotels are running from their problems. Mm-hmm. You know, husband maybe got kicked out of his house, needs a place to stay, or you have somebody who's just, you know, in a major transition of their life. And all that emotion, it doesn't go anywhere. It sticks right between the walls of each room. Yeah. And so you, you, you come in and check in and you feel almost a little sliver of everyone's vibe that has ever been there before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, um, just saturated with all the energy yeah well welcome back eddie uh, 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 i wish i was cool enough to be eddie (laughs) 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 yeah thanks it's 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 always good to be back home no matter how much fun you're having on the road no bed is is as good as your own bed so thanks for having me back and now we'll transition into pop culture who's who's up for this one is eddie it's me it's me it's eddie and get your uh sandwiches and your lunches we're about to have a fun Paranormal Dad's Lunchtime. It's time for Pop, Culture, and the Paranormal. All right. So it is lunchtime, kids. Oh, my favorite time of the day. What's your favorite lunch, Andy? Just real quick. Ooh, uh, uh, you're eating at home. Peanut butter a- jelly is always there, a go-to. There you go, Pat. Oh, um, I, I like those little uh, turkey bites, kind of like uh, they're like summer sausages, but you just yeah kinda munch on those. Totally. I make I, some cheese. I'm a weirdo. I like tuna fish. I, I like tuna a tuna fish, fish sandwich. Yeah. I do. It's pungent. <laughs> you got to eat it quick. You can't be just something that cook in your lunchbox, you know. Um, but uh, what I want to talk about today is paranormal. Or like sci-fi themed lunch boxes from the 1970s and the 1980s. Yes. You know, I figure we have a lot of different age listeners, but I would dare say most of our listeners are, you know, about the same age range as us, maybe even as far as the 30s up into the 50s and 60s. But this is great because we can all remember these things. Uh, this will be a visual as well as the audio. So if you're so inclined, by the time this episode is up, you should be able to go to our one of our social media pages, and you can actually follow along with the visuals of these as I talk about them. Um, but it's, ex- it's exciting. It's going to be lunch boxes from the 70s and 80s that we can remember. I had uh, a couple of lunch boxes as, as a kid in the 80s. Um, and I'll just say what they were. Uh, the first one I had was a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe lunchbox. <laughs> Loved that lunchbox. Uh, and I also had a Dukes of Hazard lunchbox nice. as well. Um, uh, Andy, what was your lunchbox when you were a kid? Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say I don't really recall. I, I did have a lunchbox at one point in time. I just remember the smell. Like lunchboxes yeah, yeah. have that unique smell. Yeah. 
It's almost kind like a cheap a, tin. <laughs> cheap tin mixed with leftover food, mixed with anxiety, right. mixed with the school cafeteria. Exactly. You just open it up and you know, inhale a big old whiff, take a nice pull. Yeah. It's like ah nostalgia. Kid, kids today are really missing out. They they you know, don't know the experience of having a lunchbox to take to school and yes. what it was like. Everybody had different lunch boxes, and television isn't the same. A lot of lunch boxes were based on television and movies and things like that. Yeah, very cool graphics in them. But uh, today, you know, television isn't quite the same as it was when we were growing no. up. And and but uh, my first lunch box was uh, for the TV show Emergency. I love so it. Johnny and Roy and the, you know they were firefighters, Los Angeles County firefighters, and and on each side of the lunchbox you see them doing some kind of cool rescue, it probably involved rattlesnakes and quicksand too. You know they got that in there, but uh, quicksand also had a Star Wars lunchbox, of course. Yeah, so was it Star Wars? Or it it was yeah the original 1977 Star Wars. Oh, so good. I still have a. Uh, it wasn't my original one, but I do have a copy of that lunchbox has you know timmy tuberville's name written inside it yeah has a kid's name written inside it it's, it's very cool i bought it later in life but uh it's always great to look at i think back to that time when we were a kid and we had like a spot where the teachers would put all the lunches you know yeah and you'd see they'd all be lined up there. all these lunch boxes which yeah you had all these different mostly like you know like themed kind of lunch boxes and then later on as a dad myself i'm looking at my kids and taking them to school and there's less of that there yeah. was more like just normal looking like yeah, just, just like you know a thermos looking like cloth yeah, bag cloth. and I'm like yeah. there's no cool characters on this thing no. what's happening <laughs> kids these days they have a digital school cafeteria card with vegan and no peanut choices you know they're yeah. being robbed is what's going on <clears throat> yeah exactly we'll just say it right now so I'm going to dive through this list I have actually uh, 10 but a bonus lunchbox at the end nice uh, to talk about real quick here so we'll just kind of go through these and we'll just kind of talk about them briefly and then move on uh the first one that i have is the planet of the apes and this is from Ooh. the 1960s lunchbox yeah. featuring one of the like gorilla soldiers holding a gun <laughs> <laughs> he's just like i don't i mean business there's charlton heston in the back i see like, dr zayas on there yep like <laughs> what did i do what how did i get it and like you said each side of the lunchbox has like a different graphic on it right. de depicting something you know cool each, from the each show. Each side tells a story. Each side. And the art on these things was always just next level. Yeah. It looked really good. It wasn't like cheap art, you know. But these lunchboxes, especially back in those days, were tin, like you said, like yeah. like a tin metal. And to this day I can still feel that plastic yeah. handle with the hinges and yeah. the, the little flip, the the little latch. They were also great for self-defense. Oh, yeah, man. You got a lunchbox <laughs> with a thermos in it, and you're like, tink, get away from me, bullies. Uh, the next one is, I love this. This goes back to an era, too, where they didn't need to necessarily brand it with a name brand thing. This just says UFO on yeah. it. Yeah. And it. And it literally has what looks to be a sci-fi like rocket next to an alien UFO on a moon base. See, that's awesome. Even back then, you know, 1950s, 60s, 70s, you know, UFO culture was alive and well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. And then once again, the art's amazing. Um, this is uh, Harkin to Pat here. Not quite Star Wars, but it is regarded as one of the best movies or one yes. of the better ones. The Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back lunchbox. And this one shows the thermos on the outside featuring Yoda. On the thermos, yeah, and that that was another you know bonus to these lunch boxes. They all came with a thermos as well. So on the thermos, there was usually a 
one graphic. They had the little twist-off cups, so you pour your milk into the cup and drink it. You know, very civilized. You extend your pinky when you drink that Put that, that pinky thing. out. <laughs> it's tea time at lunch. Um, what I loved about, talk about like the smells you remember. Is that thermos after a while? <laughs> oh, yeah. If you forget to wash it. Oh. oh, even just water in there. You're drinking straight water out of your thermos. You're like, hmm. This is this has had fruit punch in it. It's had soup in it. <laughs> Tastes like well water with a little Fred's face yeah. in it. Oh, dude! Oh, there you go. Thermos this, surprise. This is a classic from the '80s. A Night Rider lunchbox. Oh, I remember seeing this in school. David Hasselhoff looking good there on with, the cover with the '80s sunset with the gradient shading coming yeah, on. The, yeah. I love that. Nice. And then again, you got the thermos. With like a rainbow streak behind Kit there with a moon setting now. He's like, ooh, at night, too. Mm. I got a bonus surprise for Christmas this year. My daughter gave me a thermos from a uh, $6 million man lunchbox. Oh, and there he is. It's That's funny. the next one. Pat should mention that. <laughs> the next lunchbox is a $6 million man, one of your favorite shows. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if Bigfoot is on that one. I, I haven't seen all the graphics on that one. Well, it has, a, it has a, what was his name again? The actor? Steve Austin. Uh, Steve Lee Austin. Majors. Lee yeah. Majors. Has Lee Majors bending a railroad tie, <laughs> racing a horse. Doing some tough dad landscaping. Pulling a tree out of the ground. And literally just jumping over a car. <laughs> just like, do what I want. Yeah. I love it. And it's like, this is an era of like, I just love it. Because it's not like overly cynical. It's like, yeah, of course. Look at him. He's a middle-aged man. He's, he's racing horses <laughs> on his, on his, with his church shoes on. He's not even wearing sneakers. He's wearing like slippery yeah, bank yeah. shoes. Um, I just, once again, and... Uh, you know, the art again, it just stand out. Oh, one of my absolute favorites, a Disney movie that didn't do so well. Yeah. You can see it now on that Disney Plus, not sponsored by Disney Plus, by the way. The, the Black. Black Hole. Yeah, The Black Hole. Uh, one of Disney's early space movies, or, or I guess not early, but uh, definitely kind of, I think they kind of played off the Star Wars vibe for that movie. Yes. Because I believe it came out after Star Wars did. And so they were kind of doing their uh, their... Their, their Disney thing in space sort of thing. They were trying real hard. Yeah. They had these like floating robots that were like the like the we'll make toys out of these guys and yeah. all that stuff. But it wasn't overly received well. It wasn't. It was kind of disjointed. But the iconography on this lunchbox is pretty darn cool. Yeah. My one of my favorites, Star Trek: The Motion Picture uh, Lunchbox. It's got Kirk and Spock looking like they're on an Olin Mills photography studio the enterprise kind of hanging over their shoulder in the background there and uh, once again on each side different alien races in the star trek universe there and once again this lunchbox is made by thermos i think a lot of these were i wonder if the tribbles are on there somewhere <laughs> probably you turn it around <laughs> that was my favorite episode another the one of my tribbles personal favorites the uh, Superman lunchbox from the 1978, I believe, uh, oh, yeah. first Superman movie. Christopher Reeve. Yep. Trying their best to do a Christopher Reeve kind of likeness, but also kind of bridge the uh, gap between the comic and the movie. Yeah. And it came with a Superman thermos as well. <laughs> Guaranteed to uh, smell weird. Uh, Andy might not remember this show. He might be a little too young. What's it called? Mork and Mendy. Oh, no. I know of it. I, okay. ne I never watched it. You never though. watched it? Yeah. Was that with Robin Williams? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, it was a spinoff of Happy Days. Right. I yeah. didn't realize this until way way older, but Fonzie had a dream, right, yeah. where he was visited by an alien. 
Th- yeah, it was either Fonzie or Richie, one of the yeah. two. But uh, yeah, that was uh, the introduction of Mork for Mork. Yeah, was on Happy Days. Yeah, yeah. So the Mork and Mindy lunchbox. I loved this show. It was very funny, and I think I saw it in reruns. Uh, yeah. But they made a lunchbox about it, and it's uh, it's darling. It's it was basically great... about an alien living in Boulder, Colorado. He w- ran around in uh, rainbow suspenders and uh, just did. You know, crazy, crazy things. <laughs> he was getting to know humanity. Yeah, yeah basically. he, he yeah. was learning about being human, and um, there was always a lesson in every episode. Yeah, he'd go Mark and report back to uh, Orton, right? Or yeah, something like Orkin, Orton, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, at the end of each episode, he would kind of highlight. It was very, it was, it was a comedy, but it had like a little bit of like feels in it. It was right. like an emotional, yeah. and it kind of featured his relationship with Mindy. And it was just really cute and funny, and they made a lunchbox about it, and I love it. <laughs> I think you can catch that on Pluto TV if you if you uh, have Pluto TV. It's a free service that you can you can stream. Uh, they have the Happy Days channel, and they show Happy Days, uh, Laverne and Shirley, and also Mark and Mindy. There you go. So you can watch it for free. Now you had mentioned this before as one of your favorite types of. Uh, it was a brand of shows called The Croft. The Croft Super Show, yeah. Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. A lot of live action type shows. Uh, you got Land of the Lost, Bigfoot and Wild Boy, uh, some shows like that. And this one would be Sigmund and the Sea, sea Monsters. monsters yeah. And it is literally this boy that gets lost under the sea. Yeah, that's, that's a real old school one. I think that one dates back even into the 60s. I think it does. I think it, it's older. pretty trippy. Yeah. <laughs> pretty trippy it's to watch. It's trippy and weird, and it just features these two children that are basically friends with sea monsters, and hilarity ensues. But this <laughs> lunchbox is rusty and like old <laughs> yeah. and very retro-looking and cool. Is there any magic mushrooms on the front of it? <laughs> Always. <laughs> the mushrooms come inside. You open it up, like, ooh, they grow inside the thermos after a while. Right, right. Um. Oh, and that was the that was the tenth one, the bonus lunchbox. What lunchbox? What nostalgic eighties thing, story, movie? Can you think of that we have not talked about? That would just be a gimme, a guarantee. Goonies, Karate you're, Kid. You're 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 not far off. Think mm. more paranormal dads. E.T.? E.T. E.T. Andy, good hey. job. There you go. The E.T. lunchbox. I. There were so many kids that had this lunchbox in my school. Yeah, yeah. That Let was me a take a peek at one. it. That, that might actually be the one that I had, come to yeah. think of it. I'm not sure. E.T. Uh, phone home. That series, that movie captured people's imaginations. And uh, it's a great lunchbox. It really is. You got E.T. pointing his finger. It's glowing. His spaceship is up in the, kind of in the corner. Yep. Got the nighttime sky full of stars and... And Elliot's, Elliot's there. standing there looking uh, at the finger. <laughs> oddly calm on his face. He's yeah. just real chill. Real <laughs> yeah. chill Elliot there. He's just he's not bothered by much. But but uh this lunchbox, I remember talk about that visual of seeing like lunchboxes all of stacked up in those cubbies. Uh you probably see uh, out of if there was like twenty lunchboxes, you know, easily, you know, ten or eleven of them were ET. That was a popular one. I'm it sure. was a thing, man. I remember about this time, what was it, like eighty four, eighty five when ET came out? Uh, it probably would have been a little earlier 83. than that, maybe 83, 82-ish. Yeah. yeah. I remember going to a kid's birthday party, and the entire birthday party was E.T. themed. 
yeah. E.T. birthday party. And it was just next level. I was like, this kid <laughs> loves E.T. Do you want an E.T. birthday party next year? I would love an E.T. birthday party. <laughs> this year. This year. Don't, don't be playing around. <laughs> you got you got nine months. <laughs> and go. But that was my contribution. I uh, Like I said, these images of these specific uh, lunchboxes will be uh, posted to our social media pages so you guys can look at them and comment and share uh, your favorite paranormal lunchbox memories. Uh, good times, good days. Thank you, Eddie. The following main mystery contains descriptions that may be disturbing to some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right, so I want to give a shout out to a listener as we start this main mystery, because uh, this was passed to us uh, actually a couple of months ago, and we, we've been real bad to respond, and, and I feel terrible about it. But uh, giving a shout-out to our listener, Ryan Stapp, he uh, sent us this back in October, and he said, Hey, Paranormal Dads, have you ever uh, talked about the Dyatlov Pass incident? Have you guys ever heard of this? Yes. Yes. I think I think we did mention this in one episode, just kind of briefly. It was like one of those things where we're going down a list of, of you know, strange events or whatever, and yeah. and this one did come up, but we've never given it the true paranormal dad uh, once over. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> it's a scary story. It's a very scary story. You know, our 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 catchphrase is monsters, myths, and mysteries. This is definitely one of those mystery things. Yeah. You know, yeah. it. it a lot of weird things associated with this. You know, they, they talk about Bigfoot. They talk about UFOs. They talk about um, you know murder, mayhem, chaos. It, it's all in. It's all in here. And if this piques your interest, I mean, there's a lot of documentaries and shows about the Dyatlov Pass incident. And yeah. I mean, as you'll find out, they've yet to fully. Um, you know, find out what truly happened there. Yeah, and I, and unfortunately, I don't know that they ever will. It's just one of those stories where uh, a lot of possibilities have been kicked around as to what happened on this uh, frozen mountain in Siberia is where it takes place in in the former Soviet Union. Yeah. Basically, what happened is is nine people lost their lives while they were out on a hiking excursion in the middle of winter in Siberia. Yeah. You know, just crazy, uh, crazy thing to attempt anyway. But uh, this happened back in 1959. So, you know, they didn't have insulated clothing like we do today. No technical fabrics. A lot of them were wearing clothes that they basically built themselves. Mm -hmm. These, their, their coats and their leather boots and things like that. You got to give it to these people. They, they were very brave for what they were trying to undertake but uh they were basically trying to do what amounts to about a 150 mile hike through this area in siberia in in the dead of winter and unfortunately it uh, uh did not end well for them and it wasn't just a straight camping trip correct it was like a scientific type motivated. yeah so uh these were actually they're they're actually kids i mean i'm they're they're probably early twenties, late late teens, early twenties, most of them, uh, college students, and and so what they were trying to do, they were engineering students, and they were trying to earn um, what they call a certificate. In order to earn this certificate from their school, 
they had to make what they call a level three uh, certificate or a level three experience. And what it involved it was hiking uh, about 150 miles. Mm. It, it, it wasn't so much hiking, but it was um, cross-country skiing. Yeah. They did a lot of cross-country skiing for this. And just in some of the most unforgiving weather that you could possibly imagine. From uh, what I remember, though, uh, listening to some of the, you know, watching some of the documentaries, these were experienced I mean, for engineer students, these people knew what they were doing. They they weren't like city slickers like us who are unfamiliar with the terrain. Like, they were experienced hikers yeah. and campers. Yeah. They knew what gear to they bring. They knew how to downhill ski. They knew how to cross-country ski. They, they knew what they were doing. Uh, and they, you know, for, for the time, they were geared up as best, best they could. But it, it happened in January of 1959 uh, when they set out a man named Igor Dyatlov led the, the journey uh, to reach the peak of Ortorten, a mountain also known as the Dead Mountain. Ah. It's in the northern Urals of Soviet Russia, so it was kind of like northeastern Russia. Couldn't be the Happy uh, Mountain. Soviet Union, but yeah, it was, it was known as the Dead Mountain. Couldn't be the Sweet Cake Mountain. Uh, so the, the young man actually brought a team of nine experienced hikers with him, and one of them actually turned back uh, relatively soon uh, in the expedition due to health reasons. And, and boy, he, he's probably pretty lucky that he did because um, that, that brought their team down to nine, but they continued on. And so basically what it was was a sports club, they called it. And he and his team would send a telegram as soon as they returned, but that telegram was never sent. Ooh. And none of the hikers uh, of the, uh, the so-called Dyatlov Pass incident were ever seen alive again. So once the telegram didn't arrive, they sent out a rescue team to, to try to find them. So the team went out late January uh, they were found missing, I believe it was like February 10th or so. And when they didn't show up, uh, they sent out this rescue team. And what they found out on that mountain were frozen bodies. Some of them were obviously deceased due to hypothermia and just frozen to death. Others had very strange uh, injuries, some similar to what you would see if you were hit by a car, chest injuries. A couple of them were found um, missing. One of them was found missing her tongue. Others were found missing their eyes. Just all kinds of uh, very morbid injuries uh, some of these people experienced. Yeah, like weird trauma done to these people. And some of them, I believe, um, well, the, the tent, and maybe, maybe you'll get to this, but it from what they found, it looks like the tent, some of them like, I, if my memory serves right, they like cut, cut their they cut their way out of the tent, and they ran outside with like hardly any clothes on. That that's what the, how the story goes. So apparently they were they were out doing this hike. They were near the finish line of of where they were going to go, and one night they they stopped. They pitched their tent in kind of an exposed area. There weren't any trees around. It was kind of on this slope. Uh, there was about a mile away a tree line. But they were up above the tree line. And what appears to have happened was in the middle of the night, possibly one, maybe two knives slit the inside of the tent. They rushed out of the tent, 
with nothing on. Some of them were just found in their underwear, maybe just socks, you know, socks and, and light weather clothing. All their winter gear w was still stored in the tent when um, they went rushing out. They Most of the bodies were found about a mile away from the tent. And why you would rush out of a tent like that, what would cause somebody to rush out of a tent you know that that's like their lifeboat that's their protection <laughs> and they just rushed out into the nothingness with no gear i mean you're you're just asking for trouble when you do something like that naked and, in siberia is the name of our upcoming christmas album oh <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned for the first track why it's so cold <laughs> you know you almost have to you almost have to like, <clears throat> you know, make a joke to, to yeah, balance yeah, this out because it's so scary. I was like getting teary eyed. I mean, the, geez. The problem here is, like, think about this. Most of us have been camping at least once, right? And even then, in the nicest of environments, you still feel pretty exposed. Oh yeah, you're in you a do. tent. You're like, there's nothing between me and the wild and this thin piece of cloth, you know, and then. To literally in your underpants be like this. I would rather be outside of this than in the freezing cold and run around outside with not even like clothes on, essentially. Yeah. And I mean, and some of these explanations, which you're probably you're probably going to get to, are insane. Like trying to yeah. rationally explain this really disrespects some of these people's like acumen as uh, anyway. And that's the mystery. What would cause? What would possess people to go running out of their tent in the middle of winter, in the middle of Siberia, in the middle of the night? One of the theories is they were killed by the Soviet military. Perhaps, you know, they, they witnessed something that they shouldn't have witnessed. Yeah. And uh, they were drug out of their tent and summarily executed. There are other theories that they witnessed a rocket or a weapons test. And that's kind of where the UFO comes in. One of the things about this excursion is they had to meticulously document it. There are like over 100 pictures available of, of this uh -huh. actual yeah. uh, excursion. And so, um, you know, they needed it in order to get their certificate. They needed proof that they actually went out and did what they said they were going to do. Yeah. And on a couple of those photos, there are what appears to be almost like an orb or glowing lights in the sky. And, and those were towards the end of what was left of the pictures. And so that's one of the theories is they saw something in the sky. Somebody tried to snap a picture of it what it was was it a ufo was it a rocket test they just don't know um you know it's possible that uh, one of the theories is that it was a rocket test and they uh were testing chemical weapons and whatever the chemical it, it landed near them and whatever the chemical was just made them crazy and they went running out of their tent and that's what killed them another theory is they were murdered by a prisoner not terribly far from where they were was what they call a gulag, which is a Russian hard labor prison camp. Uh, basically, back in the 1930s and 50s, through the 50s, these gulags were, were prison uh, camps where they forced people to do mining and labor, or mining and lumber uh, duties. And so one theory is that somebody escaped from that, went out found these kids and, and murdered them all. But um, that, that theory uh, didn't really um, 
stand up to the investigation. We'll we'll talk about that a little well, yeah, bit later. If you have somebody escaping from basically a prison camp, that person's probably going to be exhausted, yeah. malnourished. They're not going to have the energy or the desire to go out and hurt somebody and, else. They're going to just be trying to survive. And you're talking about one person versus nine people, you know, and, right. and right. they're fairly fit people. You would think they, at least some of them would have survived uh, such an attack. Um, another theory is that they were attacked by the locals. Uh, the Mansi people uh, were were people who uh, kind of like kept in themselves, but I mean they were, they lived out in the middle of nowhere, um, and there was thoughts that uh, th- there were a lot of photos of trees and markings from the Mansi people on on trees, and they thought you know maybe maybe the kids. Uh, were thought to have desecrated some kind of a shrine or something and it angered the population and they came after them. Another theory is an avalanche. And, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of weird to look at where they were. It wasn't like they were at the bottom of a mountain or even, you know, that there was any kind of a steep cliff around them. Uh, it was a pretty, almost kind of looked like a... a you know this polar plane that they were camping on. You know, it, it you wouldn't think that an avalanche would have would have caused the the deaths. Another photo that brought up a lot of speculation was a photo that they believed to be a some sort of a Bigfoot or what the Russians would call a mink, and it's peeking out. There's one photo where you can see something peeking out from behind a tree, and people thought, well. Maybe this thing came up to them, scared the kids so much they took their knives out, cut the sides of the of the tent to get out, and um, and that's caused the the uh, the murders. Yeah, I mean that's your first thought when you hear that the tent was cut from the inside. Yeah, it's like what was trying to get in to get them. Yeah, because uh-huh. whatever it was, if they're scared enough to cut the tent and run out with no clothes on, that means whatever was trying to get in the tent was even scarier than the elements. Yeah, I, I read, I came across this a while ago where there was an article saying that it was an ice, some ice shelf phenomenon that had come through and just like like hit him with a force so powerful that like shredded some of the, and I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, not all the bodies were roughed up the same way. Yeah. People are missing tongues. You know, like, some people had their like arms and legs like even like chopped off, right? Like, there were some dismembered bodies. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I, I've heard there there were like head injuries, like you know skulls caved in kind yeah. of a thing, oh. um, and you know certainly chest injuries that people have equated to being hit by a vehicle. Yeah, um, I just don't buy this whole notion of like, yeah, it was an avalanche, done. Yeah. You know, once again, we're back to that whole like, I want to get back to rational stuff. You know, well, you think Bigfoot, Yeti. Um, I, I do believe in certain parts of Siberia they have bear, they have wolf. But if that sure. were the case, these people them. would have been mauled. I mean, yeah. They, yeah. they would have been bite marks, and yeah. there wasn't. Yeah. Another theory is infrasound, which we've talked about on the show before. But in, what infrasound is is basically this low-frequency sound that possibly could have been caused by a weather phenomena. The, the theory is that this... The winds were just right, and the infrasound just disturbed everybody so much they went running out, you know, kind of panicked and, and ran out of the tent. 
Um, Once again, the losing your tongue. Like, does it make yeah. you go crazy? Is yeah. that the idea that you would have gone nuts and <laughs> yeah, cut out your would, own? Would somebody else have have done the tongue thing? Yeah, and, and it's just crazy. You know, the weather obviously is probably played a factor in in what happened. But but again, if it was the weather, you would think they would stay in the tent. That's 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 their safe spot. Right. You know? There's especially if if there was bad weather coming in and high winds you would think they'd do just the opposite rather than run out in their underwear they'd be gearing up they'd be putting their boots on they'd be putting their coats on and the gloves and their hats and and getting ready to go out uh to face anything that that could be causing the tent to collapse or uh, you know lose its integrity i know there's a thing with hypothermia where you start to get incredibly hot which is what they'll say. They'll find people sometimes in these like polar conditions that are they strip down to nothing, because as they start to freeze to death, your body begins to send your uh, signals. You start feeling hot, literally. Like you're not hot. You're yeah. not hot. That's yeah. your body dying. Like and yeah. that's literally like if you start feeling hot, it's almost like that you're starting to die. Like your body is freezing internally at this point. And a lot of people, this isn't where people will be in like Arctic situations. A lot of the things was like, um, um, Mount Everest. Uh, they'll see people who've yanked their clothes off because they start getting hot, Yeah, which is weird. Cause you're so cold. Your brain starts to misfire and say that you're getting hot. So being losing your clothes isn't necessarily the only thing, but there's a lot more to this than just that, where you're getting that happen. And another one of the weird things about this story is they, they actually had like a, uh, I don't know if it was gas-powered or some, some kind of a, a furnace or, or uh, portable heater in their tent, and it was completely disabled. It wasn't, wasn't even put together. Yeah. And... One of the things, you know, we go back to where they documented this thing. Uh, they kept very detailed journals. And the night before this happened, uh, in the journal, they said they didn't put together their their furnace or, or their heater because they didn't feel they needed it. You know, they, they were doing okay. They were keeping warm. And there was no need to have it running. And so um, that that was kind of weird that... If it, if it was a weather thing, you know, they didn't hadn't even put the furnace together and it, they weren't using that to keep their temperature up. Wow. So, you know, you kind of look at that those, that list. We'll go back to the first thing, the killed by the Soviet military. You know, maybe they saw something they didn't, didn't see. Well, th- this is one that I, I see as, you know, possibly it's plausible. Maybe they saw something or because apparently... A couple of the people had injuries that were uh, consistent of being, like, with their head caved in, uh, being hit by the butt of a gun, you, oh. know, you know, in their head. But but that was just, like, one person out of these nine people. And there was an indication that some of them lasted longer than just, you know, a few minutes out there in the elements. Uh, they found a, a, a couple of the people down in the wood line where they had actually been climbing in the trees and they had broken off, you know, branches and things and had a fire. They had built a fire and they were their bodies were found frozen to death not far from where that fire pit was. Um, so that's a, I, I don't know that I don't know that I buy the military thing all that much. You would think they all would have been 
done away with the same yeah. way if yeah. it was a no. military thing. Unless they ran off into the woods and didn't get caught, and then the military, you know, went off. You know, all right, we got them all and left, and then they're like, okay, we got to like not die here. So let's yeah, go. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I heard one of the theories is you know they were t- ingesting some sort of maybe hallucinogenic drug. They all had a bad trip. Maybe they killed each other. But, oh, yeah. yeah. See, I don't know about that either, and. I know some of the documentaries I watched kind of lean a little bit more towards was this a violent Yeti or Sasquatch? Yeah. You know, I, and I don't know. I don't know if they found any massive footprints around the area. So um, the only footprints they found around the area were uh, footprints they believe are from, from the students, and they were like in their stocking feet or bare feet. There were no treads in the footprints. And so they believe that, you know, they, they didn't find anything like a Yeti footprint or a Bigfoot footprint. As far as the Bigfoot story goes, the photo that they took of thing peeking out from behind the, the tree, it, it was very blurry. And what they believe is that was actually a member of the ex- expedition. And you can see other photos of this same person with his gear on. And it, it does look very, okay. very similar to, you know, yeah. I could totally see this as a picture of this person peeking out from behind a tree, but it's a blurry photo. Yeah. And so I would kind of discount the whole, the, the Bigfoot idea on this one. Am I correct in remembering that there was a certain amount of radiation that was found on them as well? There, there was. There were actually on three of the people, uh, you know, that, that's one of the theories is they were testing nuclear weapons and but what they found is the area was not radiated like it would be if 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 a nuclear weapon had gone off there there would be much higher level radioactive readings okay three people on that excursion did uh have their their clothing was radioactive hmm. to some extent uh higher than normal probably higher than x-ray type radiation yeah uh, however, those three were also known to have worked in a nuclear facility at oh. some point in time. So they could have and been. And so it could have been yeah. contaminated at some point. Man. Yeah, that's where their clothing was contaminated. There's so many angles to this thing. Yeah. Uh, you look at the murder by the prisoner thing, and we kind of talked about that. Why would one guy who's desperate to get away from a prison go out and Kill. Try to take on nine people. He himself probably didn't have very good gear. And even if he did drive all nine people out and took control of the tent, he didn't take any of the gear. All the gear was still in the tent. Uh-huh. Their money was still in the tent. He would have taken that. So I don't buy that story. No. This is just the weirdest dang thing. And you're right. It probably will never be solved. I mean, I mean, everybody's dead. There's no witnesses. There's no... The evidence is all in snow, you know, it just doesn't, it just, you know, and I, I know in lack of these kinds of things, it's, it feels better to be like, you know, oh, weird, but I, it's just weird. Ah, strange. Didn't they do autopsies on these people too? Like, wasn't there, I thought there was like, with the tongues and the eyes, wasn't there a weird? So for the tongues and the eyes, um, what I read, what people speculate is those particular bodies were not found at the same time that the original, you know, the original uh, first, I think it's probably the first six bodies were found in late February. And it wasn't until like April or May before they found the last three bodies. 
and they believe it could have been um, like critters, it could have been bugs had actually eaten away, you know, some some of their the eyes or the tongue or whatever. First things to go typically. Yeah. So um, they, you know, that I don't think that really stands up as, you know, somebody came and cut their tongues out or Mm -hmm. cut their eyes out or you know deface them in some way. Uh, you know, you, you go look at the story, attacked by the locals, the Mansi people. Apparently the Mansi people were, were known to be very, a very peaceful tribe, uh, very friendly people. In fact, they were actually some of the first people who went out and helped in the search to try to find yeah. these, these people. So, you know, I don't think that one holds water as well. The UFO... In the strange lights, they were very blurry photos. You know, I don't. I, it's it's yeah. it's real hard to say if it it could have been UFO related. But they were taking a picture of something in the sky. Yeah, they were taking a picture of something in the sky, and it could have been, you know, that's where you go to the chemical weapons, the 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 missiles. Uh, n- there was really no evidence found that 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 could have been. But then again. You know, you're talking about Soviet Russia, and and it, it very well could have um, applied to the United States as well. If the government is doing something and they don't want people to know about it, you're not going to find out that that was the, that was the case. That's just it. And if it was a UFO that was like kind of being like tested out by you know humans, you know, same thing. You know, you're not supposed to be here. So we're actually just right now around the 64th anniversary of this uh, event taking place. And uh, a few years ago, they, they actually reopened the case uh, oh. and uh, did some more investigating to try to figure out what happened. I believe there was a report that was released, I want to say last year or 2019, some, somewhere around there. And what they are saying is that they believe it was an avalanche, that uh, the, the students heard the snow coming, they heard the, the rumbling and, and panicked and went running out into the wilderness. But again, why would they cut but, the tent open instead yeah, of just yeah, unzip and it? That's, that's something that doesn't really yeah. ever get explained. Why was the tent cut open? You know, and I, like you said, all the pictures I've seen, they were nowhere near the base of a mountain. They were like in an open field. So yeah. even if there was an avalanche, they were safe. And they, they've done, you know, tried to evaluate, you know, the slope of the mountain. It's only like a 25 degree incline. It's, it's really not that steep. And if you go further and further up, by mountain standards, it's not what you would think is something that you would, like Eddie was talking about, an ice shelf maybe sliding down. It, it almost, it just have to be kind of a perfect storm, I think, of whatever happened. You you look at some of the the last pictures are or actually pictures that were taken by the rescue crew, and there is snow on the tent. It look, kind of looks like the tent collapsed a little bit, but. They say that the tent was still intact, and they found all the belongings inside the tent. It wasn't buried by any means. No, and if it was like something that was coming their way that was strong enough to kill people, it was going to rip a tent out of the yeah, ground. Yeah, you would think sure. it would wipe the tent out, but uh, the tent was still in the place where the, where the students had set it up. It's a confusing it's, story. Yeah. I just there's so many layers to this, and you know it could have just been, you know they they were young kids. They were on this. Uh, just extremely difficult uh, excursion, and maybe they had a fight. Maybe they just, maybe it was just one bad decision after another, and they went running off, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, 
something spooked them and they just made bad decisions and and you know and, and that wilderness is just unforgiving we'll we'll probably never know we'll never know <laughs> well, i hope i mean with the 64th anniversary it'd be yeah. fascinating to kind of like reopen this in some way and just try to do any i don't know it's always going to be i guess a speculation at the end of the day yep so there, there is actually, uh, if you want to learn more about this, there's a very cool website where uh, probably um, the, the premier uh, expert on this thing is, is, is a woman who lives in Russia, and she has written uh, a number of books about uh, the events, and she has materials out online. Uh, she's transcribed uh, much, if not all, of the diary that you can go out and read. Hmm. It's uh, the diatlovpass.com backslash 1079 is is the website. Okay. And so you can download PDFs of the all, all the journaling and, and there's all the pictures, you know, the hundreds of pictures that they took. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's kind of a deep dive and, and there's a lot of information there. It's very uh, interesting to see. Uh, Josh Gates did a, a couple episodes on this this yep. event and had this uh, woman who went to all this investigation and trouble to put all this information together, and she was part of his his group when they went out to investigate this yeah. story. Yeah, I remember that. So that was on uh, Destination was, Unknown. De- Destination Unknown, yeah. And then it was Destination Truth, too. Yeah, so I think it was Destination one. Unknown. Yeah. Is it Destination Unknown? Yeah. Well, one, one of Josh Gates. Yeah, look up Josh Gates and you'll find but, it. But uh, there there were two episodes. It was a back-to-back episode sort of thing. It was very good. Well, thanks for scaring us so, to our very core, Pat. Yeah. Man, winter. <laughs> Why you got to be so rough? So now we're going to go out. And it's <laughs> 20 degrees out, 20-degree uh, wind chill. and uh, The Myers Pass. <laughs> Hopefully we make it. Believe me, we know how good we've got it, though, because oh, I can't imagine being out, you know, gosh. doing what these people were doing. It's just amazing. No, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I, I would stay inside the tent for sure, but. Uh, well, with that, thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias, on the Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTubes, and all your podcast listening devices. You can find us on those things. Shameless plug. Uh, if you like this show, feel free to check out my show, uh, So Strange. You can find So Strange on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else. Um, it's Kind of like a spinoff of this show, I guess. I cover a lot of the same topics, UFOs, Bigfoot, whatnot. Even some angelic and psychic and kind of intuitive stuff as well. So if you enjoy this show, check out that show as well and vice versa. All right. Thank you. Uh, I was going to do, do a little shameless right, plug, yeah. too, real quick. Uh, I also do another podcast. Uh, it's in, inspired by what we do here, actually, but it's called Dimensions. And it's more of a, an art cast, I'd call it. It's a lot of like uh, poetry spoken like uh, like stories, short, short stories, and uh, it's very uh, fun, but very different. And I would uh, I'd invite anyone to come listen to Dimensions. Um, I'll put a link up for it at some point, maybe for people to check it out if they'd like. So. And shameless plug, I listen to both your shows, so that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening to this one, everybody. Take we'll care. We'll see you next time.
And those lunch boxes always had that unique smell to them. You know what I mean? Just smelled like old lunch. Right. Oh yeah. It, you know, it's hard to describe. It's that like, stale mm. lunch. Yep. It smells like a combination of school and anxiety and peanut butter and jelly. Anxiety and peanut butter and jelly. Bow. Paranormal dads. Paranormal dads. Paranormal dads. Pair of normal dads. Pair of normal dads. Pair of normal dads. <laughs> the most boring <laughs> podcast you've ever heard. <laughs> so I mowed the lawn today. Oh, yeah? Did yeah. you go to the grocery store, too? Uh, yes, I went, but I forgot to get apples. We got milk the other day. That's great. What kind of milk did you get? It was white. Mm. I need to file my taxes next week. Oh, man. No. You got to do that before April, you know. April 15th. It's on the calendar. Yeah. I had to file an extension last year. <laughs> How'd that go? It caused me quite a bit of anxiety. But I got a return back, so that was still good. That's delightful. The return was $12. <laughs> 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 All right. Here we go. <laughs> Please. I'll do that as an actual segment. I'll be like, pair of normal dads. Of the normal most dads. boring podcast you've ever heard. <laughs> a pair of normal dads. <laughs> oh. All right. <clears throat> <laughs> Do you have gas? What no, was I that? don't want to breathe. <sighs> okay, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host Pat. I'm Eddie, and I'm Andy. Join us. Let's rewind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're broken. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>